0: episode number 60. Hi, this is Martin Woodward. And this is Greg Duncan. Hey Greg, great to hear from you again. Sorry it hasn't been a show for a while. It's been busy, busy. Yep,
1: yep. But hey, you know, a show is a show. So.
0: Exactly. Well, here's one. And uh, the reason why we've been busy is we've been pushing more and more stuff out there, as, you, as you've probably been seeing. So, um, uh, we've first up uh, oh, the first story is we've got a new bunch of new updates out there. Aaron Bjork blogged about them over on the, the uh, visualstudio.com and the, the, the thing that we um, probably well, the first thing you'll notice is wow, we've got colour back. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know TFS is great; is in any colour you want as long as it's black, white, or grey. Yeah. Um, but uh, rec- yeah, we've done. We've been in lots of work, you know, just trying to still keep that uh, modern UI feel, but uh, try and bring some more colour in there. Um, and we've done. Uh, the team did a really cool thing around um, just like making work items stand out. Um, in da- in the dashboard, you know, in the in the backlog, sorry, and little things like that. Where in in the past, uh, like the old version of web access, back in Team Plane days, mm-hmm. then work items all used to have little icons everywhere, and that was cool. But well, got, got quite busy. Whereas now we just simply give them a little color, and it actually still makes it just as easy to tell a work item apart. But it's not not as much visual clutter. So I thought it was actually quite cool. Right. Um, and we did some other stuff as well. You know, like we're not shouting at you and many places and things like that, <laughs> um, which is good. But we've also, um, if you've taken a look at the new source control Explorer, I'm really pleased with how it's looking right now. It's starting to look really neat.
1: You know, I was showing that off. We were, we'll talk about my 2012 experience here a little bit later, but I was showing that off the on-premise one. So it's, you know, versions behind and I was, you know, yeah, we were showing that to some people here. I was like, wow. You know, they were very wowed about that. So, that's, ah, that's, that's my team. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, what I know, this guy. This is the guy I do that podcast. You know that podcast that of you listen to? Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, I know him.
0: <laughs> well, none of, none of the, Yeah, none of the guys are not on my team. Listen to the same podcast either. But they'd be they'd be happy if they could hear this right now. I didn't. I didn't know none of the work at all. I just uh, I just delete emails that then don't forward on to them. But yeah, that's good. Um, and then you know we've done some work around obviously improving the navigation. One again, speaking of mighty, one of the features that my team did work on that was in the last update to the service. Was um, we enabled um, support for multiple Git repositories per team project?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That probably blows your mind a little bit. Like, because um, uh, why did we do this? Is probably an interesting yeah. question. We actually found um, if you're not, and this is one of those hard things to describe if you're not using Git yet. But once you start using Git, um, one of the things you kind of get into the habit of is making a Git repository, a much more modular, self-contained thing than a typical big, you know, blur of code in a typical centralized version control workspace where it's all quite meshed together. Mm-hmm. You try and be a lot more modular. And that's one of the, um, you know, when you started doing unit testing or when, when people, when, when one starts doing unit testing, then one of the much touted benefits by uh, the TDD zealots, of which I, I guess I used to be one, um, it was that um, it, making your code, Code more testable right. less a detest it improves the code because it makes it more modular and things the same is true when you move to a, a distributed version control tool because you don't want your repositories getting really big and you want kind of to be able to clone oh them.
1: that makes sense I was kind of wondering why but yeah 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 because you every machine has a copy of all the repositories so you want to keep it small oh, okay
0: yeah well. so you don't and you can't just clone a little bit of a repository you can't you know like with TFVC, you can say hey just give me the this path and don't give me all that stuff. Right. That That's not how Git works. Git work. you have to pull the entire repository down. And so you only want to pull down the code that you care about. And so you start trying to split the code out into modules which people frequently care about. And right. then that then makes your code more modular and less tightly coupled which is actually a good feature of good design. You know what I mean? So um, so you actually find that um, a repository so the you start thinking about a Git repository more of the or, Honestly, more at the solution level than than the. Um than the team project level right and you know typically you would have now often very very often you have one team with one team project with one solution in it and that's perfectly acceptable and that's perfectly normal that's like that's how normal people live you know that that's fine that's great but oftentimes when you start getting bigger teams you have more than one solution uh, but you still want that part of the same team project because you've got the same team of people working on things but you've got more one solution, right. and so the same is true with um with git repositories the a usual like a a a default working style is to start off with one repository and for 70% 70% of people, that's probably enough. But for once you start moving into you know larger projects and more enterprise-style Git and more modular projects, you actually now need multiple repositories. And what we were finding from feedback, and this is a great thing about the service, this is why I love the service, because we get live <laughs> feedback from people really using it, is that we were seeing people creating team projects without any work items and just using the source code, but then having all the work items stored in one team project, and why is that? And you go and talk to them, and it Turns out it's because they needed multiple repositories. But, they, but yeah, they were creating a whole team project just for a new repository. And we like, huh, we can fix that. So we went and fixed it and, <laughs> and, and give them multiple repositories per team project. So there you go. So that's that done. Um, and then it's also, you can manage, obviously, the permissions. Uh, we, we did a shiny new um, interface for managing permissions on your repositories and managing repositories. And hey, you know, trying to avoid that um, can't rename a team project issue that's lived with us now for the past, like, Seven years, rather than baking that in from day one. We made it so you could rename a repository, you could delete a repository, um, and bad things will happen if you do that and you didn't mean to. But uh, but we we let you do that. So
1: I so see your there name there on the screenshot. Kind of really? Me.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah 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 You can also see I spelled libgit2 wrong. <laughs> I, I like cased it wrong when I was typing it in, which is quite hilarious. Uh, I just noticed that by myself. <laughs> and then finally, we changed the login experience. We changed the login experience for good reasons. Um, it's causing it's causing some an infinite amount of pain, and we're actually still feeling that pain even today. That's why we're a little bit late recording the podcast. Not for the listeners care because they're there in time, <laughs> but yeah, um, it, uh, it's been it causes a little bit of pain. It's amazing how many things are fragile, you know, how fragile a logging process can be sometimes. Um, so, we'll work through those hopefully, and hopefully, nobody listening has been too badly affected. If you're a Eclipse user like I am, then you probably have, but uh, everybody else hopefully wasn't too bad. Uh, but we're changing the logging experience again to make it more aligned of all the other a microsoft logging experiences and make it so i don't know one day in the future maybe you'll be able to do something crazy like uh use an office id use the same office 365 account to manage your uh, manage everything else and that sort of thing or maybe go towards active to federated services or whatever it's called any of so we'll get there but um yeah, login's improving um, yeah, so that's probably the, the the latest. That's probably a good roundup of the service updates. How about you? What what else did you see happening?
1: Well, you know, uh, Brian Harry just posted. Oh, speaking of which, just to everybody out there, we're not going to do tiny URLs anymore. That was a, a, a yes. feedback from um, a William William Randit, who we'll talk about his emails at the end of the show. Uh, but basically, you know, you guys are listening to this on the road. You're running. You're working out. You're doing whatever. And the tiny URLs just are you know kind of silly. Just go to radio. TFS.com, all the links are all there. Um, you'll be able to find them quickly. And that's much easier for you all to remember. Radio RadioTFS.com, um, and then you'll find all the links. So, uh, But it is actually quite hard to transition to a story without saying a URL, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like, uh. But,
0: yeah. um, anyway, carry on. on.
1: Brian talked about the TFS 2012.2 power tools um, Ah, yeah yep you know, so previously there was actually a block whereas if you installed um, if you upgraded your machine it, there was a how did he describe it here um, those uh, power tools have traditionally had a block to prevent it from working in the next version of Visual Studio you know so if you had update 2 installed and you tried to install the power tools for update one it wouldn't work you know so saying you can't do it forward compatible kind of deal. You know your versions are out of sync. Um, they've removed that block is one of the things that they've added, and that's really the the, the primary feature. That they haven't made a lot of changes on it, but they've just made it. If you've installed uh, Visual Studio 2012 uh, Update 2, the Power Tools are all here, and it includes the the standard Power Tools that you are used to, the build extensions, and the MISCI providers, both 32 and uh, 64-bit controls. So. If you've been waiting to get those power tools, if you've been waiting to apply update to, because you use the power tools a lot, or um, you know that's been a block. It's blocked no more.
0: Well, and it's surprisingly hard, believe it or not, to actually get it to work in either version because we do change quite a lot of stuff between the updates. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that's been done, and the people who have taken that. You know, we've we've got over that bit of technical debt, and uh, now hopefully we can get some more stuff shipped out there. So it's great. Hey, um, speaking of the uh, of of the block, one reason why that's come out quite handy is because we've actually shipped the um uh, the C, the first ctp of update 3 and um update 3 oh my goodness i haven't had update 2 yet well <laughs> uh yeah we've got the yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the that's probably doing frequent updates is that the ctps <laughs> are even more frequent but what we've learned as we've been doing all these updates is that nobody's going to install them if we then like have trashed their machine and they can't move on to the next version of the ctp or the next version of the update so we actually um all the ctps now are oh, go live well this is the first, you know we, we when we do them publicly uh they now go live ones which means uh we you know there are bugs in it for sure but we're using it and we're fairly confident with it that we'll if you find a problem then uh we will help you get support you know we will support you and make sure you can get fixed um that support might be uninstall the update 3 CTP <laughs> and go back <laughs> to update 2 but more likely than not it'll actually be all uh, oh, right thanks for that let's give you a you know let's give you a fix of that sort of thing let's roll for forwards Um, and just to hopefully give people the confidence that they can actually install these on their dev machine and and the whole world isn't going to fall around them Uh, and and to do that that's again having the power tools work against those was was a huge thing to actually to get to that point Um, so uh, we've got a couple of posts that we'll link to in the show notes first one from Brian announcing it and then um, Chuck does a good uh, roundup post going through um, all the different things in what's in this update 3 over on the ALM team blog Um, the, the, the big news was um, CI builds for git is in there was was quite a big feature that you need uh, you need the latest um, update for locally and you want to also be using a um, you want to be using the hosted service, you know, because that's where that's where Git's currently enabled, and you want to be uh, using a hosted build controller as well. I should have uh, Chuck really went into that hugely, and then um, also during upgrade, which I guess um, Greg's keenly interested in, uh, we actually pull <laughs> through the uh, the build settings as well now. Um, actually, no, you were doing a complete you were doing a um, a, a parallel installation, weren't you? It's, yep. it's where you ended up. Oh, okay, well, so for the people who are doing upgrade. You know we've been doing a lot of work to try and, like, not lose your settings in between upgrades. Well, we're carrying on that, and
1: there we go. Cool. So also from Brian, you know, he released that post that we just talked about, about VS 2012.3, update 3, uh, and he did a follow-up post, which I, I really liked. It was a pretty much, you know, from the heart kind of – he got a comment from um, uh, one of his readers, uh, and they were, you know uh, – They're uh, concerned about the number of fixes. We've talked about this before. Update 3 is pretty – relatively small update. It doesn't have the big bang about that. And the reader was a little bit concerned um, about, you know, are, is the team going to get distracted? You know, are, are they going to go off and, uh, you know, because we're at this point of the cycle, you all know build is coming up. Uh, um, so I'm sure we'll start hearing more about the next version, you know, uh, Dev 12 and, uh, you know, Visual Studio 20, what will be, probably 2014. Um, I'm guessing. I don't know that. I'm not, you know... Anyway, so, so the reader was like, okay, you know, he's like all of us. We've all been watching for a while. And he, Brian very um, transparently replied. You know, I, and that's kind of, you know, where he was at. And uh, it's a number of paragraphs when it's pretty much from the heart. It's kind of, you know, Naked Coder uh, kind of post. So if you kind of want to see his thinking, you got to check out this post.
0: It was really good. And as I say, Brian's blog's always good to keep an eye on anyway. But I love these ones, Reza. Really you know, completely honest and frank about what's been what's going on behind the scenes and that sort of thing. Uh, but if you actually look at um it'd be interesting. You know, when the next version comes out and you look at um the you know uh, I'm trying to remember the real product name Visual Studio <laughs> twenty twelve <2012 laughs> RTM, the initial release. And update three and the, you know the the next release hopefully you'll be able to see that there is you know there has been there is significant progress between the updates and the um you know how far actually update three is ahead of of the rtm uh, and also um, how much of that is driven by listening to the customers you know the feedback uh, from everybody and you know we well people listening to the show probably know from the amount of times that I say oh yeah, that was feedback, so we changed it and we interested in feedback so we put it on early so we could get feedback and you know we we just constantly constantly looking at um feedback that doesn't necessarily mean that things you um things you don't like or di- or things that you disagree with uh won't make it into the product because you know they do there's there's only a certain amount of course correction you can do and also there's only a certain amount of feedback that you want to listen to because we've you know <laughs> you've got the feedback from existing customers and you and you've got the customers you want to get as well and uh you know you've got you've got to balance everything everything in in one go there so um but uh from ha- being in a, a fairly new person on the team um one of the things that impressed me uh was how much they are listening and how much they do <sighs> uh the take the feedback to heart and how much they understand you know where they need to get better and understand their own feelings i mean brian mentioned the team project renaming there that's all you know uh, a thing we're always hitting our flogging ourselves with internally as to can we not, you know can we get this one done can we do this there's a there's a, a bunch of them and user voice is hugely influential as well for us so yeah it was a, it was a great post it was really from the heart like you say Greg. Greg. Um, speaking of feedback, one of the uh, one of the, pe- the the very loud and uh, clear pieces of feedback we had around the updates was that people actually weren't thrilled with the web installers, um In terms of being able to, we actually people wanted um, an ISO with the up- up- updates in them. Um, now you know various reasons uh, why we didn't do that initially, but um, I think it's the right course now. Is that we um, plan? You know, we've got uh, we've got ISOs. If people want them, you can go get them. So um, there you go we we have isos now The people who need them yay uh, especially if you're running in a vm and iso is very handy uh the people that don't be like well why do you need that for but uh, i use the web installers myself but if you want them there then you can go grab an iso so go grab your isos um if you head on to the
1: show notes then you'll get the link yeah and that's going to actually come in handy for me our our uh my work environment we are going through a lockdown phase where we'll we're dramatically restricting internet access and, you know, just tightening everything down. So there is a very strong chance that, you know, my TFS server is not going to be able to talk out to the web, you know, I just can't do it. And there have been instructions before with the updates on how to get a local install, but this ISO will be nice. It's just... So,
0: yeah, we, I mean, so we deal with quite a lot of industries that have to go through that have, you know, that are in a lockdown. I mean, typically the defense area is very locked down, but I'm interested in what why you 're why going through that uh,
1: lit support uh, litigation support is the business that i 'm in, um, and we do electronic data discovery so it's as much as a perception as a reality. We deal with very few clients, and that's our business space. Is we only target, you know, we're not looking for six hundred clients. We're looking for six, but these six are some of the you know top fifty corporations in the world. So they have some very stringent security requirements. You know, they are uh, pharmaceuticals, they are banks, they are technology firms, and you know, with Lit support, <laughs> we get the stuff before. The lawyers get the stuff. You know, we are setting mm. it up so the lawyers can review it and search for it to respond to these cases. So you know, they don't know if there's a smoking gun. They, they just don't know what they have. So that's why they come to us to help them organize the data and, and you know parse it and do all that good kind of stuff, uh, so they can look through it and respond to the case and do productions and, and and those kind of scenarios. So they're a little nervous about, and especially because we are a you know um, L- L- LSP a legal service Service provider, you know, we're not their company, so huh. giving us all of that data, you know, there there was always a little concern. Now, you know, the reality mm-hmm. of it, there's no reason to be concerned. But you know what? If it makes the customer happier, if it makes them more comfortable, if they, you know, more willing to give us money, well, then I guess we'll have to take the sacrifice and you know lock stuff down hard. And, and, and you know, in some cases, it, we're talking extremely hard, where you know we physically walk into rooms that are. Are secured and access their data kind of hard so mm-hmm. it seems kind of silly from a legal point of view it's not defense we're not you know the NSA or anything else but you know it makes them happy so
0: no it's, you know well if you've got you've got paranoid you know if you've got customers that are paranoid you have to be more you know you have to take the superset of paranoia of all of the different types of customers you have I guess so yeah. no it may, it makes complete sense I work for I mean I've worked in situations myself where I've you know had to check my cell phone at the door and the networks are a completely different color and the wind Windows have wire mesh on them to stop electromagnetic signals leaking out. So I know about paranoia.
1: uh, Thank God we're not there yet, though they are talking about the phones because that is a a hole because that is one way actually we get some of that, record some information that we need to share, you know, to take it back to our workstations and take a picture, Mm. you know, and it's like, okay, everybody knows that this is a hole and they've been looking for ways to resolve that too.
0: Well, let's just hope they don't listen to the show. I'm <laughs> sorry. So it's hey, a- we're about half halfway through already. This is crazy. Yeah,
1: it's about that time. So episode 60 of Radio TFS is brought to you by SAS Made Easy, a leader in hosted TFS, dedicated virtual servers, and TFS ALM consulting. You can reach them at www.sasmadeeasy.com. That's www. That doesn't ever change. It's always www. Funny that. Um, www.s-a-a-s-m-a-d-e-e-a-s-y.com or via email. Email at sales at sassmadeasy and um, now we're back to the show.
0: So, Greg, how's the um, how's the great uh, TFS upgrade going? Are you, are you are you over to 2012? Last time we spoke, you were going to have like a side by side upgrade and bring over the database, bring over the data, and actually just leave you know get rid of history and just start start afresh. So, how are things are going?
1: We are going great. Uh, we still <laughs> have our uh, TFS 2010 online, um, mm-hmm. but I've migrated. We've basically got two groups. We have got the dev group that I'm. Part of in our engineering group, um, I've migrated all of their stuff, and we actually used the integration services. Um, cool to move their uh, project data over, and I helped them. They had, you know, we're a small team. We have between the, those two groups, there's eight people. All right, so. Right, okay. Um, they had – they were playing it off the cuff. When they got 2010, they had they had no idea how to create it. So they were actually creating projects. There was a um, reporting project and – in uh, or p- reporting collection. And then there was a tables pro- project and a views oh, wow. project and a sort of procedure project. And, and they were doing that. They didn't read Professional Team <laughs> Foundation Server 2010, did they? No, they didn't. So every time I God. saw that, I was like, Ooh, oh, you know, friends will let friends create – many team projects, mm-hmm. so uh, I, I walked them through. And we, when we went to 2012, we had a time to rethink that. And I said, you know, here's what we, sh- here's why you create different collections. And there is great the ALM uh, uh, Rangers have some great guidance on mm-hmm. this stuff. Uh, single one page um, cheat sheets on why you create collections, projects, um, you know, uh, different servers and, and that stuff. So. Uh, so I used that and I backed them up and I helped them using the integration tool, migrate from all of these projects. They had actually had two collections and each collection had, you know, six, seven different projects. And I migrated all those into one collection and multiple – and a single project but subfolders underneath that. And, you know, they got all their history and everything else. And they, I showed them all the cool stuff with user stories and how you can use integrations and the the black backlog features. And they're all like – ooh, this is cool. And, you know, we had good conversations about because we're small teams and we're working on multiple projects simultaneously instead of having an integration and have, you know, sometimes in past lives, our iteration, our sprint would be product-based, you know, Mm -hmm. 10.1, 10.2, 10.3. But because here we have, during that time period, we're actually working on multiple projects simultaneously. And these are like one-day, two-day, three-day projects. So we decided on we're going to do just a time based iteration. And you know, when we're mm. so we're gonna do one through fifteen and fifteen to the end of the month. So every month we have two iterations mm. and we'll plan on here's all the things based off of the backlog that we're gonna do. We're gonna work on this project and this feature and this project and this feature and this project and this feature and we'll do these and we'll put that in that iteration and then you know at the sixteenth we'll plan for the rest of the month. And that way we can use the the really cool boards that are available. If you guys out there have not looked at TFS twenty twelve well you got to go to the tfs service visualstudio.com tfs.visualstudio.com and look at it play with it um you will hook up your Visual Studio. It's free, all right. You hook up your Visual Studio to it, uh, play with it, learn it, uh, and then if you're still on 2010 or earlier, you know you'll have that ammunition and you'll have that drive, and you'll say, "Okay, here is why." And you can show it off to the principals and the managers and the other people in the development group that don't want to make that change. Sometimes they just they just want stuff to work, you know. Whereas you guys listening to the show, you guys are the cutting edge. You are the you are the advantage. So, you know, play with that. It costs you a little bit of time, but you'll get that excited and you'll see that cool stuff. You know, I'm like totally sold. The boards are awesome. Um, And you can use them if you're doing project iterations or time-based iterations. Uh, it makes the stuff actually easier it's just because it's not just eye candy, but it's actually physically easier and quicker to organize your stuff. It uses metaphors you're used to, you know, post-it notes, dragging stuff around. You still have customization for your swim lanes. Um
0: Man. So, are you using update? What, what, what version did you go to? Uh, update did you go two. to update three? Update, update two. two, sorry. of yep, yep, brilliant. Yeah. So, you've got all the cut, you've got nice colors there. Because when you saw the RTM version of Web Access, it's we've moved along a long way since that. So, right, yeah, right. that's cool. Wow, brilliant. That's great. And um, are you finding that you're using the web a lot more then than, than you were in
1: 2010? Yes and no. It really depends on the situation. You know, from my desk, when I have a uh, my machine died earlier today, so I'm getting a new image and I get to play the whole install everything game. But luckily, I had all my code checked into TFS or on the portal page. When I'm on my local machine, I'm using the uh, Team Explorer and uh, that new environment, and I do really now that environment clicks well. You know, when you're using Mm -hmm. Visual Studio 2012 with TFS 2010. Thank <laughs> It works, but when you start using it with 2012, with 2012, that new Team Explorer there actually ah. clicks and it really works and you know it, it, it's nice. Um, so my desk, no. But when we're here in a meeting or something and we need to quickly look at the source code, I, I can't. I love that source code and I know you worked on it. And I know we mentioned it before, <laughs> but from the web access now, you can actually. It's like you go to you know Codeplex. You guys have all gone to Codeplex, right? And you can browse the code and you can see all that code. Well, imagine that, you know, with the power of TFS behind it and actually much better -er than the CodePlex just because, you you know, not that CodePlex is bad. I love CodePlex, but, uh, um, you know, this is just reimagined and this is work that Martin's team worked on, so it's got to be better. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Yeah, you see there in the the board. And what's interesting, too, is that in 2012, um, the Team Explorer sends you to the web a lot, Mm -hmm. managing Mm -hmm. areas and iterations when you try to do it in Visual Studio, it sends you to the website to do
0: it. Changing security permissions, it sends yes. you to the
1: website. Yeah, it sends you. So it's really kind of encouraging that website. And once you get there, you start like just hanging out there more.
0: You know? I like, oh yeah. I've actually found weirdly that I'm using I like have the web open on one window, one monitor, and Visual Studio or Eclipse open on the other window. And I, f- I found myself using you know, I'll use work items a bit inside of the IDE, but actually, if I'm doing work item stuff, I find myself being in the browser for that and then I'll just use the IDE for kind of association. It, it was just odd. I, I found myself using the the browser more and more. But um yeah. But then again I work on the team that works on the, the stuff that's on the web. So you would hope I would kinda I guess
1: and I gotta tell you having installed I've now installed every version of TFS from yeah. Two thousand and five forward and it is dramatically better. I you know, <laughs> I cannot tell you how much better it is. If any of you out there have installed TFS 2005 and remember the 27 page readme just to, you know, install it um, 2012 is, is is day and night better. The user experience for the installer is better. It explains a lot more, you know, the, and it gives you the different scenarios. Doing a basic, it'll install TF, it'll install a SQL Server Express for you. Or you want to do a single server, you want to do distributed, and, and it actually walks you through it, and you know, it gives you the feedback, and it tells you, oh, no, you're you know, you're being a bonehead. And you need to you know do something else, and it helps you do that install. So. Um, If you're afraid of installing it, you know, um, don't be. You still need to have some of your ducks in a row, you know. If you want to do a, a standard installation, including reports in the portal, you, you need to have SQL Server already installed, and then you connect to it. Um, if you want to do basic for just you know work item tracking and source control, uh, it'll install SQL Server Express, as I've already said. It uh, installs
0: IIS for you as well, even it's
1: right. Amazing. You know, so, it'll do all that stuff. You'll st- you should still have you know if you're doing this at work, you know, you have the domain accounts already created. You know, basic stuff but it really is pretty much click 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 you know it's a little it's think a little bit do a little bit of homework tiny bit of homework and then click 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 okay you know put in the ids and, and make it go and i got it you know we did the whole thing i got the um single server installation um with the report server and the port the sharepoint though i didn't hook it up to our uh centralized sharepoint i let it do a local hmm. one machine sharepoint um with the SQL server and, and all that good kind of stuff.
0: You know, you can still override that per team project, by the way. So if if you've done it the way you've done it mm-hmm. and then you decide, hey, for, this, for my team project I've created, you know what? I really like it to go back to a centralized SharePoint I already have. You can go in and change the SharePoint per project as well, as well as site-wide so there you go top tip um, hey uh, so would you would you class yourself as an accidental admin then do you know, do you think are, are, are you the de facto <laughs> yeah, TFS admin absolutely <laughs>
1: uh, pretty much yeah
0: <laughs> well probably a, a post you want to be reading now then now you now you are the admin is um, Richard Fennell did a great post on how healthy is my TFS server and he pulled in you know from a lot of we've had Grant Holiday on the show before we should get one again actually soon but, um, and I know he listens to the show so hey Grant uh, with, um, but he, uh, Richard who also listen to the show hey Richard <laughs> he, uh, they, um, <laughs> he's done a great post like rounding up some of the stuff that Grant the work that Grant's done but also walking you through a bit more and showing you about some of the reports that you can actually go install and the system centre pack and the um, yeah say some of the reports that Grant tells you how to do and a lot of that's in the, the final chapter of the book but actually saves you saves you buying the Pro TFS book just go read, uh, the, go read the post that Richard's done there um, and he actually gives you a bit more information as well including some of the uh, SQL queries you can run. So we'll put that link in the show notes.
1: So, one of the things, you know, one of the cool things, TFS 2012, my new favorite toy. Uh, you guys have been using TFS for a while. You're using it in a team environment. You're probably even like at a, a sprint planning session or you're chatting with your friends and you guys open the same work item and you both make a change to it. And now you save or you try to save and then you get the whole very blunt warning. Um, you know, you cannot update the TFS, could not update the work item because it's already updated by another user. Um... <laughs> You know, you're kind of SOL. It's like, oh so now you refresh it and then make the changes. T F S twenty twelve makes that better. So, you know, maybe this is the one reason that you want to upgrade. now nah, Web <laughs> stuff. You you want the web stuff, that's why. But um you know, just it
0: just works, doesn't it? That's the thing that's annoying, is that you do? it's that's the problem with lots of these features in TFS twenty twelve. It's like, Oh yeah, and you know that annoying thing that used to have when work I'm tracking? That's gone now. You're like, Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now it's like, okay, you work item, you know, it's not been saved, you, you know, it, um but, you know, the version history is all there. So, yeah, check out the post here. This will talk you through one of those different things. So, Martin, uh, a couple of shows mm-hmm. ago, we were talking about web licensing.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say that to you because, you know, now you've installed your TFS 2012 and you're talking about the Agile planning. A lot of the times people are like, what Agile planning? There's Agile planning here where, where I don't see it. And, that, and that's actually uh, – so, the, um the way that the the agile planning features are licensed is that you actually have to have a premium skew of visual studio installed um you know you have to be a premium user it's not just part of the standard tfs CAL. and so there's some all of the licensing stuff for tfs and visual studio really is done you know on kind of a trust basis there isn't a huge amount i don't there's no activation in there you know isn't isn't a huge amount of license enforcement in there it's all on a trust basis and how you tell tfs that hey actually you know i have visual studio ultimate installed even though i'm coming at you from ie right now is you just tell it that you do and so if you go into um the uh, um mateus has a um, an article uh, mateo sorry mateo emily has an article um describing how you go in and change the licensing uh, features and say um you know which users are full which uses of standard or if you're you know if you're lucky enough in your organization that everybody say has premium or ultimate you can actually go set the default to be full And then you don't have to specifically put people in standard. One of the things he doesn't really talk about too much in his post is actually the limited um, access level. And the limited access level is really useful for people on your team who don't have any copy of Visual Studio or indeed a TFS Cal. It's the old work item web access, you know, were whatever. Um, And if you just want to, if you want to set like the rest of your company into limited, that's fine. And they can create work items. They can raise books, but they, you know, they can't access the things which actually you need a TFS Cal for. So it's great. It's, um, as I say, it's a a handy feature. Um, It's just very uh, well hidden.
1: Do you know of anybody else actually using that i know that it, it, it almost every time i mention this to other people other devs and it always kind of scares them because they we always kind of want to be the the gatekeeper to the stuff that goes into tfs um and I
0: love oh you mean letting business people come in and and create books yes yeah I know loads of people doing that in fact we get loads of requests of people actually wanting that to not just be business people but wanting it to be um, like public you know on the internet
1: Mm hmm Hmm. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and and but then and then you run into a whole new set of problems as to like how do you handle duplicates? How do you handle triage of those? Right. And then also how do you handle um, like you want complete transparency with your customers and your users apart from the stuff you don't want to tell them about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and the same with like work items you probably want a little side discussion on a work item which is like oh dude what's this nutter going on about oh not this this is just the craziest thing ever oh this is oh what's going on here and then you know in the work item it says great feedback uh, we'll put us on the backlog or whatever <laughs> so you've, you've got those different issues as well which is can be quite tricky I mean encouraging more transparency is good mm-hmm. um, handling the duplicate issue can be a problem and you've got to do probably you know you've got to be good about triage and things but no i think it's um i like the idea of it it's probably the sort of the, the communist european side of me coming through there <laughs> but uh i like the idea and using it effectively i see I, i'm interested uh we'll, we'll have a chat another time um about um yeah why people are scared to switch on in fact If you are scared to enable the limited mode for your business users, why don't you write to the show and tell us? You can email us at at com. How about that, Greg? Did you you change the outlook? No,
1: I didn't know.
0: I forgot. It it still redirects to radiotfsatgmail.com, but I thought it would be your corporate... (laughs) so if you want to email us radio tfs at outlook.com and talk about why or if you are driving or going for a walk right now then just you can actually give us a call and leave us a voicemail on 425 8379 okay so um yeah yeah that that's uh the licensing we were just talking about there. sorry um but what else have you been up to greg that you've seen it's cool
1: we talked about this project a little while ago it's the tfs source control history visualization you know uh, part of the the business that we're in is we're you yeah, got lots and lots and lots of data. How do you make it so you can visualize it? How do you look at it and, and try to grok it? You know, get a true understanding of it. Um, this is from Alexander. By uh, yeah, I'm not even going to try, Alexander. Sorry, your name by call, by cool.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking him up in Coplex now.
1: Americans, but um,
0: Alex Burke
1: is his is his Coplex ID. That'll do. Burke, there you go. What he's done is, uh, and he talked about it. Uses the Gorse visualization tool, um, but you guys all know on uh, extensions for Visual Studio how I like the source code for the extension to be available. Well, he heard that call. He made it available. You know, it's now on Coplex. and so you can get it. And this is where it basically provides you a visualization of your check in of your version control. It's like a little, um, what are those charts?
0: Fancy. Uh, yeah, it's like a little spider chart. And you, you see go. these little men running around, adding stuff and deleting stuff and moving code around. And it's cool. Um, and but the great thing is, is it's Gorse is a common, you know, commonly used for this sort of thing out in the world for any different STM system. Uh, but the great thing about um, Alex's plugin is that it's a uh, plugin in, in, Inside of Visual Studio, you can just right-click on any folder or any branch or whatever and, and say, go go generate me the data, and then you get a nice little um, a video file at the end of it. It's fantastic. Hey, um, so speaking of cool things, uh, Jeff Brown did a post that linked to uh, uh, another post, which was um, talking about... Uh, um an application to do uh, to talk to TFS from Windows Phone. Now there are a couple of these, um, but this one was quite interesting because it had some interesting. It actually had some really cool, interesting features in, um, and it was done by. Let me see. Um, uh, Raj Kamal has actually did the application that Jeff links to, and it's got some cool like lifestyle integration. It's it's good as just as a Windows Phone like um you know example because you've got LiveTile stuff there, you've got uh you know to dos and stuff. So no, it's, it's really good. One a couple of downsides from it. I was I was having a quick look, um, and a I don't see any source code for it, which you know I can't argue with proprietary <laughs> source code working for Microsoft, but it's always cool on these types of things to see some source code. Sometimes you can go learn from them but no he's got it in the store so that's cool whatever uh, but the thing i noticed is actually um it doesn't look like he's using the OData service. And we talked about the OData stuff a few times in the show. It looks like he's talking direct to TFS, which is impressive if he's using the client object model, because I actually didn't know that could work from the phone. So that a that's actually pretty cool. Um, but, the, um, but I noticed as well with things like the um, authentication for the service, uh, the service uses a federated authentication model, and to get it to work, uh, you have to enable alternative credentials, which basically switch on basic authentication for your, so so you can log in if you want. If you want to talk to TFS um, in the cloud, one of the biggest problems we find with people wanting to use these types of applications um, is that often their TFS server is like yours, Greg, locked down <laughs> behind the firewall, right. and their phone is on the GSM network. Um, you know, out well outside the firewall, and connecting those two can often be problematic. But if if you can connect them, then this looks like a good one to try. And we should probably have a roundup of some of the uh, the Windows 8, Windows phone applications that are out there. Speed to take a look at.
1: Yep. All right. Well, it's that time of the show. You guys thought we were going to miss it, huh? Yeah, I bet you did. You're, you're wondering, well, where's the ALM Ranger part? Well, it's that time now. Um, Willie Pete has put together this is the one thing that you guys need to go to. You know, we talk about individual parts here and there, but he's done the Visual Studio ALM Ranger solution catalog. So, as you can expect, one post, all of their stuff based off of tooling, samples, guidance, um, areas, organizations. It's all here on this one page. It's like the treasure map that we talked before, but this one is simpler in respect. It's just, you know, uh, a table of stuff to go through and you can see from their WCF load tests. And, you know, we were talking about the branching emerging guidance. We were talking about the upgrade requirements. it's all here so this is the this is the one thing that you want to go if you are interested in TFS if you're interested in upgrading if you are um if you're in a you know you're accidental admin um you want to help other people. You want to see how to use Kanban or Ruck. Uh, you want to see how to better test it. You want to see, you know, project server integration. Uh, it's, you just got to go to this post and check it out.
0: Cool. Yeah, can't be the Rangers. They're amazing. So go to show notes and then we'll have a link to there. Yep. Uh, so as I mentioned, if you want to send us feedback for the show, then do email radio TFS at outlook.com. We had a couple of people who'd done exactly that. So we thought we'd actually read out some of the emails we've been getting because so, we've been getting some really good ones. So uh, I'll take the first one, if that's all right, Greg. Sounds like a plan. So Stephen Shave emailed in, and he said, um, I really enjoyed the April recap show. Well, thank you, Stephen, because uh, he liked how we took on user issues. If you remember, we were discussing – it was the one about um, uh, trying to work out the time remaining. Uh, yeah, right. I, it was a good one. I mean, it was an interesting discussion. Anyway, um, I, Stephen wanted to make a comment about the issue relating to work item calculations in TFS. He writes, uh, this is one that his company hit against when we moved from cont- go scrum template to Microsoft scrum template we were talking about that the other week as well the short of it is is he actually built a uh, a product tfs aggregator so here you go greg this is on coplex <laughs> tfs aggregator.coplex.com and it can do tfs calculations it can do calculated fields and i actually point i i i didn't know about this product and then had a customer come in to me um saying he wanted calculated fields and i was like go use tfs aggregator it's great <laughs> So uh, yeah, and it, it basically works using an eventing system that I mentioned in the show. But he did it with a, a server-side plugin model, which actually we outline in the book. Again, blatant plug for the Protea Fest book there. Um, and he can it does uh, numeric and also state-based calculations. So you know if you want that. Um, Give me um, a work item can't be closed unless the children are closed sort of thing or, or give me the total amount of work remaining for a story based on all the work remaining for a task then the TFS aggregator was thats exactly what it was built for. And it's all configured using an XML file. And uh, Stephen says, this worked fantastically. So we'll take his word for that. And um, and he cleaned up and made it usable by the community. What a good man. So I think, I don't know, if we had mugs or anything like that, we would get him a <laughs> mug. Let's send him a hearty pat on the back. So if you see Stephen, good man for putting this out there. Because there's a lot of, there's a huge difference between a bit of code, you know, if you have hacked together working for yourself, and something you've cleaned up and made generic and put out for the community. So, you know, that's just great stuff. Thank you very much, Stephen, for doing that. It's already been downloaded 2,000 times, which is, you know, uh, very awesome. So, um, yeah, let's let's give the plug-in a plug on the show. So that's tfsaggregator.coplex.com. And thank you, Stephen, for writing in, but thank you even more for actually putting that out there for the community. That's, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, and thank you for the source. Love the people. That's, you, that's a scary thing. I've got a number of projects out on CodePlex, and I, I, I wonder yeah you know, whether i'm being an idiot or not cuz it's not necessarily the cleanest code you know you, you're just putting it out there but you are giving back and if there's one bit of code that helps one person then then you've paid it forward so again stephen thank you for that
0: yep the comma is good with you so that's great <laughs>
1: That's right. So we have another email from William Rand, Randlett. Randlett?
0: Randlett. Yeah,
1: anyway. William. There we go. Um, love the show and the fact that you take the time to do this for the community. It's my best source of TFS and VS info. Thank you, William.
0: This is the best Radio TFS podcast there is <laughs> on TFS called Radio TFS.
1: <laughs> yeah, not TFS radio. Don't – Yeah. No, no.
0: That's a different thing. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: a different thing. We get the emails.
0: So We get a lot of tweets for them.
1: <laughs> yeah, anyway. Anyway, um, to continue with the email, uh, we're in the process of testing our TFS 2012 upgrade and have been using the info linked from your site. Again, you guys can get that at RadioTFS.com. Um, now, that we haven't answered him on this one, and I've seen a little bit, I've been Ooh, looking forward.
0: it. I can answer this you one. Can. Here we go.
1: Well, yeah, me, yeah, go the photograph
0: here. You read out. I'll go get the answer while you're reading it. Okay.
1: <laughs> My company puts pictures in the Active Directory, and it worked great if those automatically got – it would be great. It would be great if those got automatically picked up. We've got about 5,000 folks total, and this is the first place I've worked where anyone where anyone went into the trouble of putting picks into Active Directory. Like Microsoft, it is the pick from our employee badges. Very nice feature to have, though. So, uh, how would that work? We did this on the
0: show. Here we go. Right then. I'll put a link in the show notes, but if you go to the um, show number 58, uh, we had a post from Betty um, called TFS Automation. Keep user images in sync with Active Directory.
1: ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> that was fifty-eight. That oh, God, that was long.
0: so long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so uh, if you go in, um, it, and the, it's actually like twenty lines of code. Um, it's really it's it's really cool code snippet just to go through. Um, and Betty shows you how to do it. And basically you go to Active Directory, um, pull out the image, and then there's a little bit of code which parses the image the it actually pa- you know parses sort of the header of the image to determine what image format it is, and then uh you know converts that into the appropriate image using the APIs and then sticks that up into TFS using the um uh where's it gone that i'm trying to remember the service the, we've got a service for it the um find by identity blah blah blah, blah, blah. I'm looking at the code now uh anyway there's some there's some you know api we actually have client side which you can call to go go stick uh the picture in there so uh, yeah there we go so um so william go go look at the show notes for show 58 but i'll put another link into the show and tell you how to do that and get that installed you you install it as a um a TFS job uh, that runs periodically to go sync things up. The interesting thing is when people get married and change names, you know, that often, uh, causes fun, but uh, luckily TFS fixes that for you now, so if a job runs every hour or so, it should be fine. Great stuff! Great. Wow, we actually answered the show, how cool is that? Woo-hoo. And it was it was William who gave us the idea to stop reading out the tiny URL, so uh, let us know what you think to that by emailing tfs at Outlook.com or calling us on 425 I think that spells Radio, I remember when I did this. <laughs> no, I can't do. I, I thought it was like it had Radio TFS in there or something like that, but it really doesn't, does it? No. Okay, never mind. Anyway, 233 8379. Okay, well, that's about it. This is a long show, but a good show, hopefully. It was enjoyable for everybody. It was for me and Greg. And uh, we will speak to you next time on Radio TFS.